And welcome back again to Thunderdome Metal Reviews, where I interrupt Tracy as he's talking. Damn right. I was just going to say Jack Boots kicking in our door, but oh well. <laughs> Perhaps the next album from this band that we have decided to do something special with. We're going to do one Ice Earth album a month until we have done their entire discography. At this point, it will take us a year. By the time we get to the end of that year, they will probably have another album out. I am Ben Lindsay, and with me, of course, is Tracy Newport and Dr. David Pizzo. And for this special episode, we have Buck Thornton of Thunderous Voices. How are you doing out there tonight, Buck? Well, I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I'm I'm ready to talk about Florida Man Iron Maiden. That's what I'm ready to do. <laughs> Bring it on. Yes. This is Iced Earth, Iced Earth. The first full-length album, their debut studio album. Before this, they were known as Purgatory um, and released several EPs, but this is the first full-length released on November 1990. Recorded in Moore Sound Studios in August of 1990. Has a runtime of 43 minutes and 49 seconds. They were ahead of the curve with alternate covers. You could tell they were comic fans because this was released with a different cover for Japan, Europe, and America. You will see the American release when you see the thumbnail for this. The producer was Tom Morris, and the band at the time of recording this was Gene Adam, lead vocals, Randall Schalber on lead guitar, John Schaefer, rhythm guitar and backing vocals, Dave Abel on bass, and Mike McGill on drums. It should be noted that McGill, and this is the only album that he is on for Ice Earth, and also can be seen from Gene Adam because he was fired after this album. This is how you build a fan base. You just cut them loose every album. <laughs> um, if you look at their look at their Wikipedia's former their band member page, that thing's oh, like I have, dude. two it dissertations. Yeah, it's so fucked. <laughs> what is cool is there's actually a band called Unearth that is all former Ice Earth members. That's hilarious. Unearth or yes. It might be unearthed. But yeah, you were telling us um, some trivia about the recording of this album that I didn't know beforehand, Buck. What was that? Yeah, so this album was recorded at uh, Morrisound Studios, uh, famous for the flirty and death metal scene of the late 80s, early 90s. Um, bands that we all know and love, such as, you know, Deicide, Cannibal Corpse, Morbid Angel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I've always attributed Eister, um, most people can consider Iced Earth to be a power metal band. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I would always consider that they're a little bit heavier sound, especially their guitar tone. I've always attributed that to the Morris sound sound itself. I think that's an interesting point, whether this is power metal. Now, I definitely don't think this album is power metal, but I would say that a lot of their later stuff is, especially because they spent so much time in Europe with Blind Guardian. And as we all know, John Schaefer and the dude from Blind Guardian um, have demons and wizards. But I would consider a, a lot of the late 90s, mid, early 2000s stuff ver verging on power metal. Now, guitar tone wise, I think you're right. Um, back to this album. I don't know what the rest of you think, but this to me is kind of a thrash album. It's power metal adjacent. 
It's it's definitely uh, I could see an argument that it is bridging thrash and power metal, and I agree a hundred percent that you could not leave Morris Sound Studio without the tiniest bit of Candle Corpse based contamination in terms of how heavy the sound is, which is why I said this is like Iron Maiden with some bath salts. <laughs> yeah, it's thrash ish. I I will concede that it's hard for me because of course you know I always put things in historical context. This was the year of Seasons in the Abyss and. Um, you know, holy wars, the punishment, too. So, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Like, to me, I start has always been a band with it's just, a, it's just a long identity crisis. Like, are they power metal or are they thrash metal? A little bit too power metal to be thrash metal, a little bit too thrash metal to be power metal. Um, I don't think I'd, I'd err towards thrash just because they are a little bit heavier, um, they implement some harsher vocals from time to time. Um, to me, the only thing really power metal about them is some of the uh, some of the, the the group singing, the choral stuff, which would come later. Albums like Horror Show and whatnot. Um, to me, I think they're just well. The subject matter of some of the songs is yeah. To, I, to be I mean, that's what I was going to say. I think some of the thematic material is a little bit power metal, certainly compared to the Bathory album we talked about when we were all together last. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's I, also... I can see that. And it, you know, it's not quite a man of war levels of cheese involved with it, but I mean, there is a bit, there's slice of cheese with this. It's not a block of cheese, but there's some sliced cheese with it. Yeah. I said dirtier sabotage, too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I can see that. But I mean, I, I prefer the maiden one because of all the triplets that John Schaefer uses. Sure. Yeah. You can, Schaefer is truly. And we, we really haven't talked about the sound of this. Uh, we're, we're still kind of setting up the band since we're going to be spending a year with him. But Schaefer is an underrated guitarist, in my opinion. I think he is a damn fine rhythm guitarist. And even when later on in iterations of the lineup, when he's playing lead, I think he does a hell of a job. His his rhythm work is out of this world. He's one of, if not the best rhythm guitarist in, in heavy metal. Trying to learn some of these songs getting those triplets down and everything is is it, it, it's challenging it's extremely challenging and to play as tight as ice earth does assuming you guys have heard slash seen the alive and athens show any of their live stuff like they're a phenomenal live band yeah um, so like his his guitar work is definitely of note but what did we think of this album in particular Um, I will say it's a lot better than the other Floridian band that we had a debut album that came out similarly at the same time period. I will say it beats that album out of the park. Like it's not even a competition. And I'm referring to Eat Back the Life and that shit show that it was. I was going to say you're referring, of course, to Gloria Stefan and the Miami Sound Machine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly that one. <laughs> so, so you guys do not like Eating Back the Life, do you? Oh, it's, a, it's not good, dude. It's, <laughs> I say this as somebody who actually likes later Cannibal Corpse more than I'm willing to admit in public. But like, <laughs> that early album, shit, man. I, I don't. I think this holds up longer, or in retrospect, better than Eaten Back to Life. Um, when I was fuck what uh, fourteen when this came out, I might have liked Cannibal Corpse better because it was extreme. Because you wanted to be an edge lord. Yeah, well, I didn't know the, the terms for that, but probably. <laughs> yeah, look how cool it is, dude. The heaviest stuff. Oh, we all were there at one point in time. 
I liked extreme shit, but also I feel like if I'd heard this earlier, uh, the fact I loved Iron Maiden might have like contaminated me with this as well. I just didn't know about them, but I really fucking you know after Megadeth, Slayer, Anthrax, I moved on to Iron Maiden. So, and I'm not saying they're identical, as you say this in some ways is almost a little more thrash than power metal. But that's that's exactly what happened with me though. Is I did the I got into metal with Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, some of that 90, like late 80s, early 90s thrash stuff. And then I moved on to the more, you know, older stuff, Priest, Maiden, and Sabbath. And Maiden was a big one I really gravitated towards. And then I found Iced Earth, um, which was, you know, a natural extension of that. Just as melodic, same operatic vocals, a little bit more thrashy, more or less. But to me, Iced Earth was kind of my introduction to the underground metal scene as a whole. And for, like, for that is why I hold them and why I love them so much. Yeah, how I discovered Iced Earth was they had a, it was actually a compilation CD that was put together for Chaos Comics, and it, it got released, um, and then they did the Spawn album that David referenced earlier, and I was working at a comic book store at the time, so I, and also being a metalhead, I kind of ate that up, I was like, cool, this is an inter intersection, I think, two things that I really care about. Um, I wasn't, I, I, it was funny, because at that point, even though I was a Maiden and a, a Priest fan, I referenced them closer to Black Era Metallica um, for whatever that's worth with those albums when I first heard them. That's kind of what they put me in the mind of. But again, not this album. Uh, yeah, not this album. For me, my introduction to Iced Earth was... I think I bought some random Metal Hammer Kerrang magazine and mentioned them in there. And so early day internet, you know, early 2000s, like 01, 02, got online, just kind of like searched for them. I don't even remember what the hell I used as search engine. Google wasn't a thing at the time, nor I didn't know about it. And I found a couple of like Vampire Hunter D music videos using their songs in it, or like AMVs. I was like, okay, cool. I checked them out and I really dug what I heard. And those are all the later albums. And so that was my introduction to Iced Earth. You owe it all to Netscape. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Paid 99 cents a minute. Damn right. Fucking dial up. So I think that this album, um, it's kind of hard to put in context with their others because the sound, although musically, I don't necessarily think it, it changes a whole lot. I will say that this is thrashier than a, um, the next album is but they change vocalists and they do that another couple times early in their career. And they will do it later on in their career too. So this one is kind of unique. Um, to me, it has a little bit of that puppy dog with big feet. And maybe that's because I know what they do later that I really, really like, but it, it, there are some interesting choices on here, like having two um, instrumentals back to back that I don't necessarily agree with, but you could tell that the, the playing was pretty tight. I mean, this is probably the best sounding album that came out of Morris Sound Studios in 1990, without a doubt. Uh, you can see the, and I agree, this is the puppy with the big feet issue with these guys, because like with, you can see what they come known for and like what's percolating underneath and you can see certain scenes that's that bubbling up to the top and a couple of their songs, and you kind of see what really becomes kind of more of their staples and their main identity is in several of these songs, but it's not quite fully formulated. It's not quite fully there yet. 
I think I would actually disagree with that. I think their sound is more or less cemented by this by the time they release their full length album. I think the only the only disparity there is it doesn't have Matt Barlow on vocals. I think that's the only thing that distinguishes this significantly from from their later albums. And I think I think you take songs, um, um, especially like uh, uh, um, when the night falls, that stands you know the long song in the album that stands just as strong as anything they released after that. Um, and the only difference you listen to the live renditions of it, so I think you can really tell the difference is, is the vocals. To me, I think I, th- I think I start sounds by this point is very well cemented. So I'd actually count that point. Well, like in their first track, uh, their self-titled track, even they kind of have like a bit of the death metal. Like you can see, like there's some death metal influence in there, and they're written the walls and then with kind of shining lights, but not quite picking the tracks yet. But with like colors, curse of sky, like you said, when the night falls, you see like what I view and interpret as like this is ice their sound like those are prominent there but like in those first two tracks it's not quite there you kind of see it but it's not quite fully formed like mm-hmm. as like later albums it's all the track like this is definitely an ice surf track here you're kind of like, mm, i see what they're going with but they're they're getting there i can see that yeah david your thoughts when i first started listening to this was not super excited <laughs> <laughs> and to use some background buck i used to jump in the show only when it was something i super liked which was a dick move. <laughs> like i would yeah. jump on for like slay or fear factory and then just jump off again so mm-hmm. uh i'm waiting for tracy to give me just 16 prog albums to listen to but i have <laughs> just just did bring it on anyway because i do like iron maiden i still do i have a soft spot for them and because yeah i have to admit this is by far just in terms of production and sound and just, you know, listenability, it's certainly very different than a lot of the other stuff that got pumped out of more sound studium. Mm-hmm. Some of which gets quite good. I mean, by 93, you know, they put out Covenant, which is badass, but um, it's, I, I also, the more I listen to it, the more clear it is. Yeah. The playing is quite tight on the air, especially for like a sort of a, a semi debut album. I know there were EPs before this under a different name, mm-hmm. but uh, so this album grew on me to the point that I am now willing to listen to ice. Well, I mean, thank God you're about to make me listen to what, 16 of them. How many, how many are there? A hundred? Twelve. There's 12 <laughs> studio albums. It's, We're not doing the live stuff. We're just doing the studio. Yeah. So and uh, a lot I'm of live stuff. For that journey and it made me miss Iron Maiden. <laughs> so, uh, and it also was a reminder just of how much metal exists in the world. How many different kinds. Cause you know, it, this won't be clear to our listeners, but I was switching back and forth between Antichrist Superstar, Bathory's third album, and this, and that's those are not the same. <laughs> so I love metal. I love it. So yes, it has grown on me, and even though I find power metal ridiculous, there's also a part of me that secretly kind of likes Man of War, but again, we're not admit it in public, so, you know, I'm here for this party. So you're saying your favorite Christmas gift ever will be a Man of War t-shirt? I mean, you know, I'd probably wear it, especially since due to the pandemic, we're never going to see any other people ever again. So just, yeah, Man of War all the way, man. <laughs> it's going to be a podcast t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to give a shout out before we get to the songs, because we are just doing the studio albums. I do have some good live stuff, but mentioned the Alive in Athens triple uh, disc set that came out. 
but also they have one of my favorite tribute albums in their tribute to the gods where they do cover songs of the bands that influence them and that is fucking fantastic so if you like albums that are cover albums track that one down because a plus but now on to the songs on this and i guess i'll go first i give instrumentals a real hard time on this podcast they're either tremendously good or shit this is a case where the instrumentals are neither they're kind of in the middle and that makes me lukewarm about them um they're good but having them back to back in their placement in what is a relatively short album doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me it might to the rest of you Um, so i will entertain your thoughts on that i think ice earth is a solid song since it is both the band and album title track it should be um and when the night falls and life after death the two longer tracks on here are really stand out to me as being very very good i want to point out that when we reviewed the ocean collective you wanted to banish the singing to make it instrumental only but i guess as you said it's either amazing or terrible so uh, yeah, I don't know if the instrumentals work super great here, but yeah, I think Ice Earth is a very strong opener, and I really like that sort of arc, Colors, Curse the Sky, Life and Death. Uh, I think Solitude is pretty good. Or no, excuse me. Um, what's that look in the chat? Yeah, Solitude. It's, there's not a bad song on here. I mean, the instrumentals are a little much, but they pass quickly. I mean, it just... I'd, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. I think I think this is a really strong album overall. And having listened to Ice Earth for as long as I have, I think I'm coming up on like 15 years now or something like that. But this album seems to be the one that I tend to go back to most lately. Um, partially because it's as fresh as it is. Um, it's my least listened to Ice Earth album. It's um, probably why I go back to it so much. But I think I think this is a, a remarkably strong album. Um, all things considered, and it gets overshadowed by you know different vocalists and stuff like that. Um, in terms of the or the, the two uh, uh, instrumental tracks, I feel like it's a bit of a, they didn't get the track list right and how it was intended. To me, Solitude kind of feels like a, like a, like an opening track, kind of like a, um, you know, the acoustic instrumentals that Metallica did. Um, Fight Fire yeah, Fire I like it, but it does have an opener. It just, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a, it just doesn't seem like it's on the right spot on the album. So if you can move that to the front, it makes everything a little bit better. In terms of the songs, I think I think the title track "Ice Earth" is actually the weakest song in the album. Um, it's a good song. I've just I've never been huge on it. Uh, "Written on the Walls" is a little bit better, but I think the meat of this album is really in the center. "Colors," uh, "Curse the Sky," and "The Life of Death." That trio of songs is just like, damn! It just hits you right over the fucking head. And then you know, then the closure. The funeral's great. I love funeral um, for an instrumental track. But then the the closure too. When the night falls is one of Ice Earth's best songs. So I think there's a lot to this album that tends to get overlooked because of, you know, it's got Gene Adams on vocals. Um, it's overshadowed by the album or two or three or whatever that came next. Um, I think I think there's a lot of staying power in this album. I've actually been pretty impressed with it lately. I'm going to second Buck in that this album has a very much a bell curve in which the middle outweigh, outperforms the ends, except for when it gets to the wood night falls, it just spikes to great again. And... <clears throat> On the vocalist, like I kept getting, rem- getting like kind of like a reminder that he at times was trying to do like almost a uh, King Diamond style, like sing high pitch singing, and it's like kind of hits, kind of don't. 
but it still fits well where he does it at. So, I mean, really that three track there in the middle and then when the night falls are probably the, the high marks for this album. But I think it kind of starts a little on a weaker end with their self-titled. You guys just not like self-titled tracks or two on the nose. Like Paradise Lost on Paradise Lost on Lost Paradise. Or it is. <laughs> no, well, I like that track. I was the one that liked that. Or, Lost yeah. Slayer, I mean, Slayer on the album Slayer. <laughs> I typically like the uh, self-titled tracks. But this yeah, one just... I really don't see the King Diamond comp. Maybe a Joey Belladonna, but definitely not a King Diamond. You two should fight about it a bunch. <laughs> I need to get more King Diamond. You do. Yeah, you do. Um, let's grade this thing. Buck, you want to go first? Yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna to give this a... Let's go. I'm gonna, it's a solid B+. Definitely. Um, I'm kind of there with you. I'm going to go a little bit lower than you, though. I, I think this is my least listened to album of their discography, except for like probably the last album that they came out with. Um, but I really do prefer the Matt Barlow stuff. So this is a B minus for me. I mean, as, as a debut album, it's, it's real good. It's solid as hell. Well played. Um, Adams is a good singer, but they get a better one in a couple albums. And I think that colors it a little bit for me. Um, so I'm with Ben. I'm going to give this a B minus. It's very solid as a debut. It's listenable. I'll probably come back to this album, but you know, it didn't blow my hair back. I'm going to split the difference there. I'm going to give it a solid B. Uh, again, I'm going to agree with the end that I know what their later stuff is, and I feel like it's several of them are a bit better, but, I mean, this is still a pretty solid overall album and really shows a good foundation for what comes later. Very, very cool. Well, uh, thank you, Buck, for joining us on this one, and we hope to have you on the other Ice Earth albums as we go along. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. I hope to... Love to join you guys for the rest of the discography. It's a pretty special band. I'd like to keep going with Yeah, they have a, a soft spot in my heart as well. Um, like I said, that intersection of comic nerddom and metalness that when I discovered them in about uh, 96 or 7, I guess it was. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, another shout out to a band that has shared all over the world and released a bunch of albums. So, uh, at least John Schaefer is a, a hardworking, hard touring dude. Oh, he is. I think they're bigger in Germany than here. Oh, yeah. That's why I thought they were European. Just the amount of market saturation in terms of posters and their presence in what then were record stores. So, do you live in Germany for a while? Yeah, about five years. So, oh, yeah, I, this is, yes, a lot of the, my, my encounters with metal in the mid 90s were there. So, you're a big Blind Guardian fan, Halloween, all that stuff. It's, uh, I definitely, <laughs> went, I, I went the industrial route. Like, I, I was heard you, ate, my first heard you say you hate power metal, so yeah. Nice. yeah, I went into the German Neue Deutsche Hertha stuff real hard, oomph, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So I was both near black metal, but I was like, nope. <laughs> and power metal, I'm like, eh. <laughs> I don't know. When you're coming from Slayer and Pantera, it's a hard sell. Yeah, that's true. It's extreme in a different kind of way. Precisely. No, and again, it's like I said earlier, I love metal for precisely how different it is. And yeah. I listened to so much Paradise Lost, I think it altered my DNA because of you. <laughs> it probably did. It I feel like Ice Earth. Lost. 
I feel like 12 of these, it's going to be like, I'm just going to be like getting body modification surgery to look more like Schaefer. And to... <laughs> At least well, this will be spread out more. Yeah, it's not, here's That's eight Ice Earth albums in a month. <laughs> a month, that was so brutal. No, I'm actually excited about it. And I would love it if uh, Buck would join us. Because he's yeah, a yeah. Ice Earth scholar, in my opinion. I've just decided this. So. Oh, okay. uh, well, and I'm flattered <laughs> for our listeners out there who have it, because it has been a while since book has been on. You should go check out his webpage, Thunderous Voices. I've mentioned it uh, earlier, but he, he writes long form album reviews. So the thing that Tracy does on Twitter, he doesn't uh, many more characters. Um, you <laughs> quite check a bit. It out. Yeah, <laughs> you should check it out because the writing is actually quite good. And uh, I value Buck's opinion. That's why we asked him to be on. Uh, we all do. Those of us who worked with him in the past. And yeah, yeah, man, if you ever want to just jump on when we're doing certain albums, feel free to. Yeah, absolutely. I'm down to do this anytime you guys want. Right. Just pick the ones you really like so you don't have to listen to. He's kind of done that because I did offer him uh, <laughs> doing Marilyn Manson. He's like, nah, I'll pass. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I did. I will say I did have a. I will say I did have a, a second thought on that. I was like, I was like, God, Manson, but like, it would really be good for me, for my soul and everything. And just, you know, as a learning experience to dig into Manson a little bit. It um, would, it would. But we can also, I'm going to probably force them to do like Golden Age of Grotesque or something later. So we can. Mm-hmm. Tracy, what are we doing next time? Next time we are doing Rainbows Rising. Going Ooh. old fucking school. The oldest. Indeed. We gotta get yeah. some Dio in. We hadn't had them ever. We had not, and it's gonna be like seven years or something before we can get to any of the Black Sabbath with Dio. So <laughs> we gotta get it in now. <laughs> Maybe we can sneak into heaven now. <laughs> Maybe. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate it, and catch us again on Time to Tell Metal Reviews when we go back to the seventies, a decade when only two of us were alive. <laughs> 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 <laughs>